In this episode of The Interface, I chat with Nima Elizadeh, Product Manager for Amphenol PCD in Beverly, Massachusetts. Nima is a new addition to the Amphenol team, and we talk about the unique challenge of quickly becoming knowledgeable about his products after coming from a different industry. We also talk about his Iranian roots, about moving to the U.S. in his teens, and about learning to speak English from the TV show Seinfeld, the greatest sitcom ever made. This is The Interface. So how do you pronounce your last name, Nima? Alizade. Alizade. Yeah. Is that close enough? Close, close. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of emphasis on the A in the middle, but... Alizade. Yeah. Alizade. Okay. It's Iranian? Yep. Were you born there? I was born there, moved here when I was 15. Actually, June 30th was the 15-year anniversary of my move to America. So you've been here as long now as you were in... Oh, actually 14. Sorry, 14. Next year is going to be 15, which is going to be an interesting interesting year. Because the day after that, I would have been an American longer than I was an Iranian. Okay. So it's going to be an interesting year for me. Yeah. <laughs> I moved from Long Island to upstate New York. Not quite the same thing. So it's close enough. You know? Well, some <laughs> would say that, yes. And at the time, I think I thought so. But nevertheless, I mean, is it hard to go back? I've never gone back, actually. You haven't? Okay. Yeah. I kind of... Um, when I moved here within the first five years-ish, uh, both my grandparents pa- passed away, so I did, didn't really have a uh, reason to go back. Mm-hmm. My parents come visit me. Uh, my mom visits me twice a year, my dad once a year, so there's really no need for me to go back. So, Nima, you're a, a product manager here, product specialist um, for the the SIM product, which is mainly manufactured out of Amphenol Aerial Yep. France? In France, yeah. In France, right? And then you also manage some circular products out of... Uh, limited. Amphenol Limited. Yep. Okay. I was just making sure. Yep. I, I didn't want to assume, but... Yeah, no, no assumptions. That's why I like drew that out, as you could tell. Just Amphenol waiting for... Limited? limited? Yes. <laughs> I finished each other's sent uh, almost a sandwiches because of the joke, but yeah, sentences. But- <laughs> okay, everyone always says sandwiches, so I'm trying to say sentences that sandwiches came out. <laughs> I also just had good. lunch, so... <laughs> okay. How long have you been a PCD now? Since March 1st, so... Okay. Yeah. So not too long. Fairly. No, not too long. Has it been overwhelming so far? Surprisingly, the early few months was overwhelming because it was just a wave of information coming my way and yeah. it was just how much of it I could absorb. Uh, I was intimidated by the amount of um, information, but then I realized once you really drown yourself in it, I know that's a bad analogy, but you kind of deep dive immerse. in it, immerse. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it just becomes second nature. You yeah. kind of just automatically pick things up and over time, I used to get phone calls for information regarding the same product line and it yeah. would take me forever going through the catalog and everything. And I got a phone call. I was on the phone for an hour, but it was constant answers to all the questions. Yeah. Didn't even look at the catalog. And once the phone call ended, I said, wow, that was, yeah. that, was that was pretty neat. No, I, I don't I, know what I, I'm talking about. I, I remember the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you are, you're intimidated to take that phone call at first. Yeah. At first you're like, oh, I know as much as I, as you do. So <laughs> let's work on this together. You tense now. up. You're like yeah. holding the catalog, you know, putting your fingers in pages going, I think they might ask this. Where's, where's the service rating or where's the temperature range or I actually had a like cheat. That. I would have the PDF open and do control F every time they would say something. I'm like, hold on, control F. Help. Type it in quickly. Oh, look, look how quickly I it, found it. Cause I know where it is. <laughs> yeah, but if it works, it works. Yeah. I think just repetition of that then all of a sudden you wake up and the next day you go, well, I can answer this without even looking. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good. I'm, so I'm, I just got there. So. 
Okay. Well, that's good. And it's only going to get better. I mean, really the first few months it's, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Yep. So it sounds like now it's, it's manageable, which is good. So where did you come from before PCD? I was actually a mechanical engineer. I mean, technically I I still am a mechanical engineer, but I worked in the HVAC uh, side of business. Uh, I was a design engineer and a sales engineer. Oh yeah. So I did, uh, it was pretty much 50, 50 designed HVAC equipment. I mean, systems and, uh, also sold them like commercial systems, commercial systems for anything from a small office building to giant hospitals. So a design engineer then for an HVAC company like that. So is there any similarity to what design engineers do here? No, because it's just, no, because we don't really, I didn't really design products I designed the system. So basically the product people were my vendors. I purchased it. I designed in their products into a system. So I'm basically, I was who I am trying to sell the product to now. Okay. I was a design engineer and I'm trying to sell to design engineers, which I think it's easier now for me because I know exactly how they think. Cause I was one of them. That's a unique way of looking at it. Yeah. Completely different, yeah. you know, business, but we all think the same engineers are engineers are engineers. Right. We're fairly analytical about things, especially things that we design and we have control over what we design and we don't want anyone coming in and screwing up with that, you know? Now you also have a connection to Amphenol um, with your uncle, who's Fred Farahani, who's the general manager of Amphenol Nexus Technologies in Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, um, which I also worked at. I worked for your uncle for a couple of years, uh, as they do military ruggedized audio connectors. And you said you you didn't work there, work there, but uh-huh. you did some work for your uncle. At yeah, Nexus I, over the years. When I was super young, we used to go out and uh, cut the weeds around the building, stuff like that. You yeah. know, um, my cousins and I would go visit him every once in a while, just in the office, just yeah. to spend some time with him. So I'm very familiar with that whole office and manufacturing facility. Yeah. What have been some of your initial challenges other than learning the product once you got started? What's been some of the initial challenges for you just outside of that so far? It's been dealing with customers. Has it been dealing with the other sister divisions like Airbnb France and Limited. What's it been for you? I would say um, having a relationship with other Amphenol divisions like Limited and Airbnb. We all have different cultures, especially because Limited not as much, but Airbnb them being in France, they have a completely different culture, both work wise and culture wise. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, for example, right now uh, they're in the mid- middle of their slowdown. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's tough to deal with because we don't really have anything like that in America where right. everyone just takes a month off. But at the same time, I'm really working on communication with them. If we communicate well, we yeah. can really get very big things done. Um, with them, I know they want to support us and they're doing their best. So that's all I can ask for. Have you been to either of those facilities yet? Yep, both. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping to go either on a quarterly or biannually kind of a basis. What did you think when you went to Airbnb France, for example? As an engineer, I was very impressed. Their manufacturing facility is amazing. It's uh, lean, very lean. The way it's set up from start to finish, the entire blueprint makes sense. Uh, I know there's a term for it that I can't come off, off the top of my head. Basically, you start from one point, by the time you get to the end of the factory, that's it. Nothing's moving diagonal back or, you know, it's just moving forward. Right. Which 
makes for lean manufacturing. And I was just impressed with everything they've thought of, uh, even small things. They would have put their battery powered forklifts in a separate build, separate room because they know there's a chance that the batteries might malfunction and cause fire. So if there's a fire, it's in a separate area. Self-contained. So self-contained. So they've thought of everything. Yeah. So uh, I was very impressed by the facility. Uh, the people are great. Uh, I talked to the engineers there. It's a great company to work with, to really have them support us and us trying to support whatever they have us, uh, they need us to support. So it's a good relationship. Uh, Lemonit, my personal relationship with them is fairly new. Yeah. It's just uh, given that product line, uh, the circular product line. And uh, they're making some really interesting things. Uh, one of my favorite products that um, I'm supporting actually is a, a circular uh, connector, which is funny because SIM is rectangular. But uh, it's called Stingray. And yeah. It's magnetically connected to the receptacle. The plug is magnetic uh, and it's great for soldiers because it's, you don't really want to look down at a tense moment to connect. If something comes loose, if you're cut on something, your communication devices right. unplugged, you don't really want to look down. You just grab it, line mate it and move forward. So it's, that's, and it, and it moves, uh, 360 degrees. It's just that that's one of my favorite products. That's a really cool product yeah. that for lack of a better term, I was at Amphenol limited a couple of years ago and I saw one of their early versions of that. And having come from a regular circular world, quote unquote, military connectors, pin and socket, and you, you know, have a coupling nut on a plug that engages with the receptacle and it's either threaded or bayonet, whatever it may be having this, which is such a radically different approach we just have those pogo pins in the receptacle yep. and just these, the, the odd pins, so to speak, or the other contacts on the plug side. And there's no, no alignment mm -hmm. to your point. There's no polarization keys or anything like that. You just kind of slap it on without even looking and boom, you're connected. Yep. It's awesome. It's, looking. Uh, it's, it's awesome. great. It's, yeah. Whenever something makes me go, huh, I think that's, that's a good sign, you know? Yeah. And it's also one of those, and probably even more so for you as someone from a, from a uh, engineering background, it's like, why didn't someone think of this That's 30 exactly. years ago? I, I assume that this was an ongoing thing. This is something that already exists. And they said, no, we came up with it and designed it and everything. And I said, this, this is so perfect for the job it needs to do Yeah, that I can't believe it hasn't been done <laughs> till now. So very impressive. Very so impressive. without getting into some of the details of, of what you do then mm -hmm. with that here, so far with your knowledge of Stingray and trying to impart that on our sales force and then more importantly, potential customers out there. I, I'm really trying to focus on marketing. I, at the yeah. end of the day, I work for the marketing department. A lot of my job uh, revolves around supporting engineers, you know, business development and everything. But I'm trying to really focus on the marketing side, uh, introducing people slash engineers who... Yeah are not aware of our, the product lines, at least that I uh, support informing him of it, educating him of, uh, on it. Cause a lot of them, the saying I have is they really need it, but they're not aware of it. Like the SIM product line is perfect for when you, ha you don't have a lot of space to work with. Mm -hmm. We have the same contacts as the 38999. So we're able to replace them, but with a th round 38999 connector, you need enough space to be able to connect and disconnect sure. the 
uh, connectors, where with SIM, you can really have a high density of connectors, small space. So it's perfect for, you know, helicopters or anywhere where, um, or even space, mm-hmm. which is something I'm pushing where space is an issue, space and weight, because you can have composite material and have it in a small space. One of the marketing ideas that I came up with was uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was well a farmer that grew watermelons, and watermelons are round. They're all different shapes, sizes, weights, and he was having a hard try, hard time forecasting how much he can ship, mm-hmm. the weight, how many, how much money he can make. So it was always uh, you know crapshoot. He he didn't know. His, he didn't know how to forecast for his business. So they came up with an idea of maybe the shape of our product is wrong. Maybe round is the wrong shape for us. So they put clear boxes around the watermelons and they grew it inside of that mm-hmm. box and it grew into a cube shaped watermelon. So then you can stack them. The, right. the person who buys it can put it in the fridge without having to cut it first and then put it in a container. You can cut the top off and take out the money you want and leave it on, have a lid on it, basically. Right, it's right. just the perfect shape for that product. So people don't really think about their products like that. Maybe our product is wrong. You should redesign it so it can do support the people that it needs to. Not that around 38999 is wrong, but for the people who can't use it or shouldn't use it, the round 38999 is the wrong product. No, that's a fascinating way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, without cannibalizing our vast 38.9 business, but I see what you're saying. Um, I I, I think it, I truly believe that the same product line is meant for a specific group of projects and then everything else can still remain with 38, round 38, triple nines. We're not trying to cannibalize uh, our business. We're trying to give the engineers the correct solution. Yeah. And because, there's always opportunities. Cause yeah. It, and at the end limitless. of the day, I support circular too. So yeah. <laughs> I don't want, I don't, my goal isn't just to sell, 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 sell. My yeah. goal is to help the engineers design in the correct thing. Cause I know how they feel. I've been on that side. They need something, you know, at my old job, if I was designing a place where I couldn't fit duck work in, yeah. I knew I had mini splits or systems that called uh, VRF which are many splits, but much more intense. You can have multiple indoor units mm-hmm. and outdoor unit, but that's how I think about marketing. Yeah. How can I show customers, engineers that there, there are these solutions out there that you might not be aware of that, that is useful for you. That's a great design way of thinking about it. I like that example. That's good. We're going to have to save that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm worthwhile. I'm worthwhile. Yeah. I think your four months here has been worth it so far. These pretzels are making me thirsty. I love the mug. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Small aside to, uh, your, fun fact. to your Seinfeld mug here. Fun fact that I yes. uh, taught myself English by watching Seinfeld. Really? Yep. How I was, so? And I can't imagine what type of English that must have been like. So, so it was funny because early on I had like a New York Persian accent going on. But uh, I have to bring my uncle back into this. But he basically told me the best way to learn English and to have an understandable accent is to listen, listen, Mm. listen, and then repeat. I basically moved, not basically, I moved in with him when I was 15. So ever since I was 15, I've been raised by him. He knew that I liked the show because I 
but it, you know, it came on TV. I yeah. saw Kramer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like this show. Yeah. And you don't have to understand English to like Kramer. Exactly. He, yeah. He's the, he's the, he's the physical guy in the show. So he bought me the first and second season. He's like, he said, Oh, watch this. And you keep listening to it and you found something you're interested in, interested in. And I kept watching it, rewatching it, rewatching it. Yeah. Just hearing English being spoken in front of me, you know, first you understand three words in a sentence. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying when I moved here, I knew zero English, but I really needed to learn enough to be able to communicate. I was having a really hard time communicating early on. Yeah. And just watching Seinfeld over and over again. And, and for Christmas or my birthday, he would buy me another season. And so I have every season now. And I can say I've watched the show start to finish <laughs> 50 times, you know, something crazy I, like that. Yeah. I don't know if it's been 50 for me, but yeah. probably 20. I'm the guy yeah. people call. Yeah. Uh, to ask about something. Hey, well, which episode was it that like, I know random th things about the show. Like there's only one episode where the intro baseline has vocals on it. Must've been early. Uh, I think it was season two. Yeah. And the guy who did the music, mm -hmm. he said, Oh, let me put some, uh, uh, I forget what it's called. The jazz <laughs> scra scrapping, scratting, whatever it's called. There's a term for it where it's not, it's just gibberish. Mm -hmm. Um, Scatting, I think it's called. Maybe. And uh, so he puts it on the, in the show, they air it. And then Larry David goes to him and he says, never do that again. That was awful. <laughs> so th they never did it again. But yeah. They never went to replace it. So there's one episode. I think it was the pen. I think okay. that's the name of the episode. I think. I might be wrong. Yeah. That's the only episode in the history of Seinfeld that has vocals. It's funny to hear that that's where, I mean, you probably didn't learn all of your English, but probably a good amount good of amount, it yeah. from from a show like that, that yes, is very New York centric too. And sense of humor. Cause it was sarcasm, sar sarcasm, yeah. uh, American sense of humor is very different than, uh, an Iranian sense of humor. So mm -hmm. I was always known as a funny person in, in Iran. And when mm -hmm. I came here, I, I was really struggling being funny because my sense of humor didn't translate. Sure. So just watching comedy, American comedy with, American, the, Amer the American sense of humor really helped out regaining that funniness, yeah. you know, uh, between that show, listening to George Carlin. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch, a bunch of shows and <laughs> comedians like that. Robin Williams was a big one for me. I could see that. Well, you pick some good writers. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. How much, you know, you're here now about half your life in, in Iran and half your life in the U S how much of that Iranian background do you still retain in, in your life? It, as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, I'm very proud about my uh, background, yeah. uh, especially my family, you know, being related to someone like my uncle, it's, yeah. it's, it's a thing to be proud of. And, uh, uh, that actually one of the main reasons I'm in the business I am, I am right now is because of family. My grandfather was a pilot mm -hmm. and I always knew I wanted to do something in the aerospace, aerospace, uh, sector. Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to be a pilot. Then I realized I'm terrified of heights and speed. <laughs> so that, that wouldn't work out. Then I wanted to be, become an architect like my dad, but then realized that America doesn't really have a great architectural opportunities. Uh, they're all in the cities and mm -hmm. it's hard to get into that business. They're, I see. You have to really 
uh, know people to get into architecture from what I understood. So I was, I wasn't really interested in it because it basically locked me into certain cities. These are the places where I can get work and I wasn't interested in it. I liked the, and Amphenol, I liked the fact that I get to travel a lot and everything. So yeah. I always wanted to do something in the aerospace business. So this was, you know, every time I go on a plane, I think about my grandpa. I have a plane tattoo, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, my brother and I have matching tattoos in honor of my grandfather. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So I always wanted to be involved with something aerospace related. It's a perfect way to cap this off. And you're right next to an airport here in oh, Massachusetts. Too, I, so you get to watch these planes. all Exactly. Day. And all the manager's office have windows facing it. So I love going into meetings in their <laughs> office because I'm facing it. They're not. You <laughs> just have to make sure they know I'm paying attention. I'm yeah. not staring at airplanes. Yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm lost in thought here. Let me just kind of look over your shoulder. I hear, okay, yeah, no, I hear, I yeah. hear your question. Hold on. Let me think about it as this airplane's just yep. up. And, and if I look up into okay. the left, that's my way of thinking. Yep. Right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming to talk to me today, Nima. Thank you very much. Appreciate you uh, listening to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.